This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I had to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horseman to the inside. He's got Max Dambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horseman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Showing what's for Trevor, the Hills Racing 47 Knot. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings. And what a busy, what a busy time it is. Uh, Christmas observed today, but nonetheless, we push on with our year in review show. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way, along with a host of other gentlemen. Good evening, sir. How you doing, man? Good, good. How, how, was, how your, was your Christmas? It was fantastic. It was really good. And uh, it, you know, I got little Rosalie here. She's gonna be three in a couple of weeks. And uh, watching her get spoiled was pretty fun. I had my grandson over today, so they came and paid a visit, and uh, now I'm sitting here by myself, knocking out the last of my Smoky Mountain moonshine, <laughs> so it, it's going to be a show. That's right, that's right, that's nothing wrong with that, man, so, well, hey, this is our year in review show, and, uh, you know, it's our pleasure, you know, Rich, we, we've got some really great uh, connections and some friends of the program all across the state and all across the region, and, uh, you know, tonight is the night where we kind of, we're honored to welcome them into the program. Yeah, it's really cool. You want to get started? You want to? bring sure. him on in right now yeah, yeah. okay I'll, I'll, t- I'll take the first one just because i see him most of the time he is my partner at flat rock and toledo speedway he's also michigan motorsports hall of famer gary lindahl welcome in my friend well it's good to be with you guys tonight also on the list tonight is a guy that i feel like horsepower happenings might be partially responsible for his job he's the co-announcer at bertrand speedway and event center gets to stand alongside another uh michigan motorsports hall of famer on a regular basis chuck darling's here tonight good evening sir Good evening, gentlemen. Good to see you guys. Good to hear you guys. Yeah. Hope glad, you all had a Merry Christmas. Glad to have you here. And Zach, uh, a gentleman, we're going to say what his new job is because we're awful proud of him. He is the new voice of the Owasso Speedway. Uh, Chris Foby, welcome in, man. Nice to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Well, a lot to unpack this season. You know, 2022 it was kind of the first year that it felt like racing got back to what it needed to be, right? We had that COVID year, then 2021, we kind of started off with some COVID guidelines, finally got opened up after the vaccine really took off and were able to do some things that we really needed to do. And then 2022 was back full throttle, 100% what we needed to do. And, uh, you know, that all started with, with the national tours in February and, and seeing some of our guys kind of try to go down there and compete with the sprint cars and late models and some of that nature. Uh, not a lot of not a lot of headlines came out of that early early season stuff for our guys uh but some national headlines definitely came out of out of that uh rich with the very beginning of the season yeah it really did and i, I you know I, I started note, note, noting them down and trying to figure out what it was and i think the one that was making the most noise and finally ended up coming through you know they were talking about donnie moran being the last uh you know million dollar man down at eldora and uh, boy, didn't Jonathan Davenport stink that up this year by, <laughs> by grabbing that. And about everything else, I don't know if anybody's had a more dominating year nationally 
than Jonathan Davenport did this year. I thought it was pretty cool too, and and you know the rest of the guys are obviously welcome to jump in at any point. How much money was on the line in 2022 for races? You know, you talk about the million dollar man for for Jonathan Davenport at Eldora, and then you talk about other races where you had opportunities to make other money. Eldora specifically, right? If you won here, you won a bonus here, you won a bonus the next night, you had a chance to make you know X amount of dollars. There were just all those programs for these race car drivers to make a lot i mean really some fat cash this year yeah and chuck chuck can probably talk about one we had a regional for the jake Seri all-stars tour they had a triple crown up there and chuck it was interesting at the beginning but then it was kind of a snoozer after that because uh, a different guy won the last two yeah we were all kind of banking on uh kyle crump when he took that first one and uh, elected to start tail but i think he kind of burned up his stuff a little bit too early on and couldn't get nowhere because, but it would have been interesting to see if he would have taken that challenge the second time for the big money for the for the third and final triple crown. Well, it's not like he just had a couple of has-beens that he had to chase down. Oh uh, no, Carson, Carson Hosevar swept the last two events, so he had his, you know, he, he had his, uh, you know, his luck cut out for him anyway. Yeah, and Chase Berta was running strong on that last one as well as Katie Hettinger. So he had, you know, no slim pickings in that field. There's a stellar uh, group of drivers in the Jake CRA All-Stars Tour Series. Uh, and, you know, the Triple Crown Series we had there at Bertrand Speedway this past year in 2022. You know, we're looking forward to expand on that uh, as it was announced that it will be back in 2023. How about those drivers, too? You talk about Kyle Crump, and obviously we've had him on the show several times. Uh, and, you know, Rich Rich, Rich talks about Kyle Crump as one of those guys who's getting his way onto the map, and I talk to him as if he's already been on the map. Uh, Redbud 400 champion, runs really well at Winchester every year. Uh, competed uh, closely for a win in the Glass City, and then, of course, the other things that he's done at Berlin and, and things of that nature. Um, and then Chase Berta as well. That kid almost won two years in a row at Winchester in the Jag CR All-Stars Tour, Winchester 100. Um, you know, the, the names that are starting to matriculate, of course, you know, uh, you talk about that that kid, Carson Hosevar, who we all watched get started at Berlin, and now we've watched him grow up and go through the trucks. It's really kind of cool to see the talent that's coming out of our region here these last few years. Oh, definitely. There is a strong contingent of Michigan drivers. Um, you know, you've got Kyle Crump. I mean, Katie Hettinger is, you know, down in the south now, but, you know, she's from Dryden, Michigan. Right. So you know, her is one of those as well. But the the field is stacked from top to bottom in, you know, Jake CRA. And you got to throw um, Blake Rowe in there as well. Uh, as a standout when I saw him run his first race at Berlin in the icebreaker, I believe it was last year, the year before last, I said he was going to go somewhere and do some big things and not just in the modified, but in the template late model as well. On Rich and Gary, you guys get a chance at Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways to see some guys that uh, really end up making names for themselves as well. Well, that is true. We, uh, we've seen a couple, uh, this year, uh, especially down at Toledo when, uh, uh, when you talk about those kind of cars, uh, Jesse Love, and he got yanked twice there yeah. <laughs> at Toledo. I mean, you know, his uh, his teammate broomed him in the Glass City 100 there, and then he got broomed again in the Arca race. But that was a great race, you know, but it was interesting. And Katie, uh, as uh, Chuck alluded to, she just got a really big ride for this year. Yeah, absolutely. 
And two, I, I'm glad you mentioned that uh, ARCA finale down at Toledo because it's it's been so important that Toledo stays the home of ARCA and the Menards National Series getting a chance to wrap up their championship there. And I think, admittedly, Rich, you and I have talked about this, the ARCA Menards Series hasn't necessarily been all that competitive in the last couple of years. But, man, oh, man, that finale caught a lot of people's attention. Yeah, it sure did. I was down on the I was down in the front straightaway, and um, <laughs> I, I had to wait on the winners' interview because Jesse Love wanted every part of Sammy Smith, <laughs> right, <laughs> and more. And uh, you know, and those guys battle each other at every big super late model race throughout the country, so they're not they are very used to each other, right? And um, Sammy Smith has proven with his Winchester 400 win a little over a year ago. Uh, and some events that he is not afraid to do whatever it needs to do to be the first one across the line. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, you know, in that race, I'll jump in there. That race, uh, that year-end race has always been wild. When they've had the championship at Toledo for the Arkham Menard Series, the last race has always been wild. And Jesse Love dominated that whole race. Looked like he was going to do it. And then here comes Grant Enfinger and Sammy Smith at the end. And it really got interesting, as you well saw. And, uh, yeah, Jesse Love, what did he finish, second or third, I think. But he wasn't happy. And that's, you know, again, guys that we've seen come from the late model ranks that are kind of moving their way up. Chris, I don't want to leave you hanging off of this. Uh, you know, you guys race on a regular basis there at Springport is where you spent 2022 and have spent uh, the last couple of seasons. Any talent that you're looking at coming out of that uh, racetrack that, you know, you kind of got your eye on looking to expand and as you kind of move to Owasso looking to see, uh, you know, these guys move up and, and kind of make a name for themselves? Well, with Springport, I mean, it's, uh, it's more of a blue-collar environment. I feel like than than we experienced so at some of the the more prominent tracks, but you had a lot of younger drivers that really kind of came into their own this year. Uh, Race Bible, who won the Street Stock Championship, he's just I think fourteen or fifteen years old, and I mean you wouldn't know it looking at him. The kid's like eight feet tall. But, <laughs> I mean he uh, you know he really is maturing into a a very competent, level headed driver. And in a division like the street stocks, where it can oftentimes be really elbows up and and pretty aggressive, I mean, he showed maturity beyond his years, and he'll be jumping up into a, a template late model this year, and he's one that you definitely should keep an eye on because he's got some help from uh, some pretty prominent names as well. Got a, got a chance to see uh, Dan Leak pick up a championship, of course, with the uh, Outlaw Super Late Models, and then uh, you know Jerry Pierman in the in the Sportsman. A, a kind of for me, like you mentioned, blue collar, kind of under the radar name, but uh, you know beat out people like John Trudell and Buddy Head for a championship. Kenny Head, of course, uh, for a championship at Springport. And then how about Aaron Taylor? This kid uh, made a jump from front wheel drives a couple of years ago and, and decided he was going to go run modifieds. And he's got it figured out, picked up a championship at Springport. I like watching this guy run a modified. He does a good job. Yeah, Aaron Taylor, um, admittedly somebody that I've known for a very long time, um, obviously a, a huge legacy family in uh, in our part of the state, um, you know, with his, uh, with his dad, his grandfather, uh, his uncles. I mean, just that, that uh, lineage runs pretty deep. And Aaron's got two championships in the in the modifieds at Springport now, and he chased the Midwest Modified Tour this year, ended up picking up Rookie of the Year too. I mean, that's that's no small task with that schedule. And Chris, you also got to be a part of a a race that's 
darn near national in the hot shoe 100 this year uh cody strickler picked up the win came all the way from florida to steal the money but man what a field you guys had for that event Gosh, that that was unreal i mean i i really got lucked into being able to call that race by myself <laughs> thanks to uh some weather complications stepping in but i mean i've always been a big modified guy and when you see just all those cars rolling in and you see some of the top names in the division and they're not even making the cut for the a main i mean it is it is mind-blowing they had a c main that was quality to the point of a main feature at any track in the state i mean it's just unreal the amount of talent that comes to that race and i'm lucky enough that um you know i happen to be traveling to the track that the race will be hosted at this year, so I, I'll get to see it for a, a third year in a row. Rich and I, I had gonna, a ch- well, I was going to say, I was going to say that Zach, you know, talk about that. The Hot Shoe One Hundred going to Owasso Speedway on that new pavement. Um, can you imagine more cars showing up? I wouldn't doubt it at all at this point. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I just every time I think that uh, we've reached the cap on that, it just keeps getting higher and higher. And I mean, I called one back in. 2016 up at Whittemore and I was amazed at I think 40 cars we had for that and it's gone up 20 30 cars since then I mean it's just it's an event that's really got to be the most prominent modified race in the country at this point at least for our style of modifieds let's talk about Owasso Speedway in general uh with the overhaul that's happened uh with new ownership new management new racing surface uh chuck i default to you as a fan first um what what are your thoughts here as we get ready to head into 2023 we've got a new surface you got jeff Parrish kind of calling the shots uh and then you know behind him is a pretty deep checkbook which we know is important in racing whether you're driving or running a racetrack uh how what, what are your feelings i don't want i don't want to use any adjectives uh, to kind of lead you but what are your feelings about Owasso Speedway in 2023? Well, as a fan, I'd love to see improvements at any of the tracks. I mean, you know, Bertrand Speedway with Andy Susky has put new pavement on the third mile, new parking lot pavement, the gas alley and stuff like that. And then to springboard off from that, Rex Wheeler purchases Owasso Speedway and is just going guns a-blazing with it. So you've got two owners that are willing to provide top-notch entertainment I'm as a fan, I'm interested to see how it's going to play out this year. Um, the Saturday shows the amount of money that's being paid for a regular weekly event for, I believe, Modifieds is $2,500 to win almost every single Saturday night at Owasso. Um, it's just going to be really interesting to see. And the amount of improvements just on the surface for this year and how it's going to progress over the next several years with their plan that is, you know, been set forth by Jeff, Rex, and the whole entire staff over there. Gary, I want to ask you, because you obviously, uh, you have about as many years in this sport as we all have combined on this earth. Uh, is this, is this? I heard that. Uh, okay, I'm glad you caught that. Is this sustainable, what they're trying to do at Owasso? You have somebody come in with deep pockets, you bring in management that's well known for their ability in the sport. Uh, is this something, I mean, I think that's the big question everybody has right now about Owasso that we've been asked, you know, are we going to see this be sustained? And, uh, you know, we kind of give our opinion that, you know, it feels like it should be. What are your thoughts? You've seen, you know, owners and promoters come and go. Uh, what are you feeling about Owasso Speedway right now? Well, I think uh, Rex Wheeler, I, I, I don't know him personally, but I know he has uh, 
uh, trucking business. It's very successful. And he came on board to sponsor the Midwest Modified Tour this year and uh, obviously already put a lot of money uh, into Owasso. But I know what you mean when you have those questions because we've seen guys come in with big ideas and then a year later they're gone. I don't really think that's the case with Rex Wheeler. I mean, he's got too much in the business area, too much in, in, in involved in the Owasso area and, and nationwide. Yeah, you know, and uh, personally, I it's really cool to see people putting money into racetracks. I mean, I I was there when it was the old half mile, the big half mile dirt, and that. So I've seen a lot of progressions at Owasso, but I, uh, you know, you got to have a little faith in the guy. I mean, money, that's for sure. So uh, you know, you can wait and see, but put a lot of things out there and I'm sure he's going to get a lot of support. And I want to I want to piggyback off that. The the phrase wait and see. You, the drivers and fans alike, if you all wait and see, it's not going to be successful, right? You have to go and you have to see what they're doing. And, and Chris, uh, the last the last thing I wanted to ask was of you, new to the team in the conversation room now. How's the feeling? How's the energy? Have you had a chance to talk with Rex and Chris or uh, and uh, um, Jeff and and those guys and kind of feel how they're feeling about this season. I know I've had some phone calls with Jeff and he's, he's off the walls excited. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely can understand the, uh, the sentiment of it feeling like too good to be true. I mean, going into it when it was first announced and all the plans that kind of trickled out, I said, there's no way this can be real. This is going to be another guy that comes in and fizzles out. But then, you know, talking to Rex and talking to Jeff and, and hearing the vision and hearing, you know, what's behind it and, and the intention behind it is really the biggest thing. I mean, Rex isn't doing this because he wants to get rich in motorsports. He's doing this out of a genuine love for the sport. I mean, he's basically, he's doing what any one of us would do if we were able to hit the lottery, you know, he's uh, he loves it. And this is his uh, quote unquote golf game. You know, this is his hobby is uh, building a successful racetrack. And not only that, but he wants to, he wants to take a track that's literally a historical landmark and carry it forward into the, into the future. And uh, I mean, he's just got tremendous plans. I mean, there's, there's a few things I've been kind of keyed into that aren't yet public knowledge that are just, once it comes out, you guys are going to be over the moon and the stuff that has been out publicly is amazing. I mean, $14 $14 to get in for every race all season long. Um, and that's insane. We have four 10,000 to win super late model shows, two Jags shows, the hot shoe. I mean, all these huge events and it's just $14 to get in 20 and under free. And and I want to, I want to stop you right there. You were a part of that promotion at Springport. Uh, you worked at Springport when, when, when that promotion was big there. I went to Springport when I was under 20 with that promotion, and I got to tell you, I loaded up all my friends who knew nothing about racing, and we went. We had a great time, right? We hit the snack bar. I mean, I, I love that idea, 20 and under, get in for free, uh, because it helps the growth of our sport, and that racetrack is still going to make money off of those carloads of people. Exactly. I mean, people in that age range are the ones that are probably the least likely to go to a racetrack under normal circumstances. Because, I mean, that generation just doesn't know much about cars. They're not big into car culture, that type of thing. But making that a free ticket to get in, I mean, that will at least give them something to try or a reason to try it out. 
So I think it's a, it's a huge marketing positive. And it's really well, a chance to open it up to the community. I mean, how many parents would uh, hesitate to go with their kids because of how much it costs, you know, 15, 20 bucks a ticket times four. When you can cut that in half, you know, you're going to get the families in there and you're going to get the, uh, you know, the concession stand purchases. And it's, it's, a, it's a loss leader, but the most expensive seat is an empty seat. So you get those butts in the seats and you're going to get it back eventually. I have a question maybe, and, and Chuck, you can answer this first, and maybe Chris, you can follow up. We're going to have five, five Jake CRA All-Stars Tours race within an hour of each other. Uh, is that good for the state of Michigan? I think it is. Um, you know, the Jake CRA series, well, what is it? Jake CRA ASA Stars <laughs> uh, series <laughs> we're, now. <laughs> we're all still trying um, to learn. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's still trying to learn that. It's kind of, you know, kind of finicky right now. But I think, uh, I think it is, I think technically, just so we all can start to practice, I think it is. ASA JEG CRA All-Stars Tour presented by Chevrolet Performance is how that'll all flow uh, there when, it, when it's all said and done. Yeah, I, th I think it's good for the sport to have, you know, have JEG CRA because it's it brings more attention to the guys that want to go up. They, the guys that are already established are going to come in and they put on a show with the guys with some of the lower classes that they can aspire to you know, that, hey, this is the next stepping stone. If we want to go traveling, we can go this route as well. And I think with the the announcement of the branding of ASA and everything that's going to happen with the Jig, with the ARCA CRA, with the Midwest Tour, with the Sunoco Super Series all coming under one umbrella, and then JEGS being part of that, as well as the street stocks, um, and I believe the four cylinders, I'm not sure, but um, I think it's good. I, I think it's good. At some point, you know, there's too many traveling series, but I think they're going to go about it the right way. And I think Jegs provides the uh, the perfect solution for that intermediate balance. You get a top quality show, you know, without having to spend an exorbitant amount of money. And you're going to draw in names and you're going to draw in established drivers. But then again, it also gives the lower tier classes, not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but they've got something to say, okay, Jake CRA is here. Let's put on a good show. Chris, what about your thoughts on that? You're going to get to see him twice. Well, I think in this area, we kind of have a, an extra bullet in the chamber, so to speak, um, in, in the name of Eric Jones. Um, the fact that Birch Run and Owasso were two of the tracks where he was at in the embryonic stages of his late model career. Um, I think that alone is enough to kind of spark the local communities that, Hey, if I'm going to this event, I'm going to see somebody that's going to be somebody. So I think having something like that to lean on where we had a local star that became, you know, a NASCAR cup series winner that came from this same series, I think is a, you know, a huge marketing ploy. I mean, I can tell you, I have um, articles uh, in the can waiting to come out that really highlight um, you know, the fact that Eric came from Owasso and the Jegs tour and uh, adding the ASA name onto that will probably rally out a few of the uh, quote unquote old timers that maybe wouldn't have came because they didn't know what CRA was. But you see those ASA letters up on the on the signboard and 
that's going to bring back some nostalgia as well. And that's going to bring back some people that have some really fond memories of that. Shall we take the uh, segue that is just dangling right in front of us like low-hanging fruit and uh, talk about uh, ASA and the Stars National Tour? And uh, Gary, I'll default to you first. Uh, You hear about what Track Enterprises wants to do. They want to build a national late model tour with big money, big TV presence, big events uh, where the midways are full. We've got, uh, you know, stands that are full. We've got TV audiences that are off the charts, whether it's streaming or on, you know, an actual television set. Um, and you've got the ASA name now back in uh, the revolver with, with actual presence, not just something that's owned, but something that's going to be operated. Uh, kind of your thoughts on, on hearing that that's coming back and, and kind of getting revitalized. Well, I thought it was pretty interesting that uh, that ASA name popped back up before I got involved in anything as far as, just when I started writing her that, coming originally from Jackson, Michigan, I ran up and down the road, uh, crewed with Ed Cooper, who was part of that initial ASA, and they were outlaw late models at the time. So we followed that series around quite a bit, so I got to see all of those guys, the Mark Martins, Rusty Wallace, all those in those guys uh, racing, Bob Seneca, Dick Trickle, and the list goes on and on, and that's what the ASA name was even though in the latter years it went down by the wayside, but there's still that name ASA. And I think, I believe it's Bob Sargent. Yep. I believe he has got the wherewithal because he does promote a lot of racing around the country. And I think that's what he's trying to do. Just a, a national tour. And the nice thing is Toledo's part of it. Yeah. So there you go. (laughs) How how... I'm looking forward to that. So Toledo always seemed to have an ASA race. And in fact, I went down there, guy's name was Mike Miller, and uh, he was the announcer, the traveling announcer for ASA, after Gary Poindexter, and uh, they used to call Ron Drager up and ask if I'd come down there and work with him. So I was very fortunate to be able to go down there and do those ASA races when it was really, really a big deal. What about, uh, so, Rich, this was the first thing that you brought up, was your concern about the Glass City 200. I don't know that concern's the right word, but just you're noticing that the Glass City 200 uh, makes a change for 2023 with getting uh, the ASA stamp, and the Glass City 200 becomes a true 200-lap, one-division race in 2023. You're the first one to point that out. Yeah, so, um, and the first time since Ron Drager purchased Toledo Speedway, that the outlaw super late models will not be a part of the glass city 200. So right now what they have planned and it is, it is tentative because you have no idea what you're going to get. They are going to tentatively run an outlaw super late model race. The only race of 2023 at Toledo uh, on Arkham Menards championship weekend. So uh, they don't know the amount of the laps or what it's going to pay. Um, I guess if I was on the side, I might be partial to say that that race may not exist that late in the year. Um, you don't know how many outlaw guys are going to be left that, that want to go to Toledo uh, second week of October, but we'll have to see. But I know that uh, through the regular season, when we're all at our racetracks, there will be no outlaw super late models at Toledo. Yeah. What a, what a, and, and that was kind of a, a I think a little bit of a shocking uh, note there, Gary, what were your, when you noticed that on the schedule, what were your thoughts? Well, uh, you know, it was always a 200, and I, I was a little bit surprised because I wasn't quite sure that they were going to involve the ASA deal, but something from where I had final conversations with 
Scott and Ron to the point where that went on the schedule. But, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they had, I think there was rumblings because we didn't really have the, the, the amount of cars and the outlaw late models, especially at Toledo, I guess, with the motors and with the tires and <clears throat> all those things. So I guess maybe I kind of expected it. Guys, uh, Chris and, and Chuck, uh, the ASA name comes back. Obviously, you guys are fans uh, first. We're all race fans first. And then, you know, we become sports writers and analysts second. Uh, how important is the ASA name uh, to, to have that back? I mean, just the, the name, the three letters that are ASA, um, is that – it just seemed like it got drummed up to be such a huge deal that those three letters are back in our sport functioning. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? Chris, I'll start with you. Well, um, I come to it from a little bit of a different perspective. Um, one of my best friends in the business, so to speak, is uh, John Robbins, who um, was Rex Robbins' uh, nephew. And uh, when it first broke, I really went to him first because, I mean, that's that's his family's legacy in motorsports yeah. is ASA. And, I, and he said, you know, it – I think it's going to be a positive. It's just going to be weird for me to see it back. And, you know, the fact that he's optimistic about it really made me optimistic about it because it's, uh, you know, it's, we, I grew up with that being pretty much the pinnacle of short track racing. And uh, even when the news broke, I happened to be watching a, a YouTube video of an ASA race from 20 some years <laughs> ago. So the timing was really surreal there, but. Um, I'm really excited to see a national late model tour back. It's been so fragmented and so. It's kind of been reg regionalized, really. I mean, you had to go, yeah, you had really, CRA really in the north. Yeah. And really watered down. I feel like this is something that we've been, we've all been looking for since ASA went under in 2004. So uh, having it back, I think, is just filling a need that we've all had. Chuck? I'm, I'm excited to see it come back. Uh, you know, I grew up getting carted around to all the races. Uh, you know, my mom, dad took me out to Bertrand Speedway, ironically, back then Dixie Speedway, and started conversing with Mike Eddy, and we ended up following his career up and down the highways and byways, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, Canada, you know, and seeing him and Bob Seneca and Dick Trickle, and then you know, Gary St. Amant and, you know, Kent Stauffer, Pat Schauer, you know, Alan Kowicki, you know, all these guys coming in and it's looking like it's going to be on that level from what they're talking. And I'm really hoping it does, because like Chris said, ASA back in the day was the pinnacle of short track racing. The deal they had with TNN with their broadcasts watch it for hours and hours and thank you michael mcintyre for putting up <laughs> yeah, all those videos think, on youtube we I appreciate it i think we all owe michael a big thank you right because uh, chris that's probably whose youtube account you were on when you were watching the videos as the news <laughs> it was either uh, either him or uh, jordan saint amont both of those yeah. guys have done a tremendous amount for uh preserving that history for us yeah just just the history of that name alone it, it i'm hoping they bring it back the same way because when you go to an asa event it was, you know, the drivers were allowed to bring their souvenirs, their shirts and everything. They had like the midway set up, 
Um, it was all pomp and circumstance. I mean, even the, the Redbud 400, they made a big parade out of that. So if they go down that avenue, it's just going to be a win-win for not only the series, but all of the fans that have been dying for something like that. It's funny for me because on the dirt side of things, uh, souvenir trailers and pomp and, pomp and circumstances, nothing new, right? We go Every race we go to, there's souvenir trailers set up and people selling T-shirts and things of that nature. Uh, really an avenue that was lost in pavement racing for some reason. Uh, so uh, I would be, you know, if if that's what we're talking about, if that's the energy that we're talking about bringing back to pavement short track racing, I think that's I think that's fantastic. Uh, you know, more power to them to bring that sort of thing where concourses are full of people buying souvenirs for short track racers uh, and kind of helping their bottom line out as well. I'm, I'm all for that, so... Great stuff. ASA coming back in 2023. We're all on board for that uh, positive uh, change here in short track racing. Two other things we wanted to talk about nationally as we're working through this uh, 2022 year in review show. Uh, shall we all talk? Just, I mean, should we give a little nod to perhaps the most unique move ever seen in motorsports? NASCAR, Cup Series, Martinsville Speedway, playoff format, Ross Chastain, the move that uh, will go down in history as being known as the Chastain. Uh, gentlemen, have you ever seen anything like that in auto racing before Ross Chastain and before, you know, you had your PlayStation 2 and your NASCAR Thunder video game? Had you ever seen anything like that? Well, let me jump in here real quick. When I first seen the replay, because we had something going on, I didn't see that race personally. I wasn't watching. I thought that was photoshopped when I saw the highlights. <laughs> I know it. Totally thought it was photoshopped. Yeah, I did. I it was unreal. I'm going no, there way, no way anybody can do that. Well, I was proven wrong. And of course, uh, for those who may, or, or for if you lived under a rock, right? Final lap goes into turn three, lays it up against the outside wall, doesn't lift. In fact, grabs what sixth gear. And, and rockets around five or six other people, including Denny Hamlin, to punch his ticket into the championship uh, final uh, for Ross Chastain. Something that everybody has done uh, in the video game world. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Chris, uh, I'll, I'll default to you a little bit. You've got a lot of iRacing experience. And, of course, uh, you know, we, we grew up playing video games and NASCAR games and stuff like that. What, what were your thoughts when you saw that? You know, I can remember when uh, EA had the license for the NASCAR PlayStation games. And it got to a point towards the end when EA's quality fell off where the only way to be fast was to just keep it uh, full throttle through the corners. And I gave up playing the games because I said, this is too unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> and turns out I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of people called for that to become illegal for things of that nature. Why, why you know, how do we outlaw that? Uh, you know, what do we do to police that? Um, and, and then I'm instantly reminded of Carl Edwards, Jimmy Johnson at, uh, what was that? Was it Las Vegas or, or Kansas or something like that? Same idea. Carl goes into three, doesn't lift, slide jobs, Jimmy Johnson, bashes the outside wall. The difference is Edwards doesn't win the race. Johnson cuts back under him and wins. Uh, we saw Kyle Larson do the same thing at Darlington either earlier this year or, or late last year. Difference is... Denny Hamlin goes on to win the race, not Kyle Larson, uh, who actually ends up being critical of the move. Do you see any policing of that uh, in the future, or or is this a one-time thing that we probably never see again? Probably a one-and-done. 
All I got to say about that move, I thought the same thing as Gary. I thought it was fast forwarded. Sped and up, I'm yeah. Like, no, wait, this is in real time. Holy crap. But all I got to say is it's too bad that I can't use it in iRacing because I would have actually won some races. <laughs> uh, I told Guys, I told Zach, if anybody in our state pulls that move, he's on our show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Come. If he pulls that at Owasso, Springport, Kalamazoo, Anywhere, I don't care if it's a dirt track. He pulls <laughs> anybody that's got walls. Anybody pulls that. I don't care if they're good or not. If they win the race or not, they're coming on the show because um, that takes a lot of golf balls to pull that off. I've seen guys win races going backwards across the finish line after getting hit in turn four on the last lap, but I've never <clears throat> ever seen anybody go full throttle into turn three ride the wall all the way around and advance what like seven positions yeah. or something like that yeah absolutely nuts final headline uh, from the national side of things uh and then we move on to a couple of other things uh, regionally here how about dennis herb jr uh and his uh you know his significant other heather they claim a world of outlaws title now dennis herb jr many of us know uh it's it's those two right he's a low we call him low budget he rolls in with a stacker trailer um, but no real team to speak of, right? He doesn't have, you know, 15 people crawling out of that stacker trailer working on his race car. It's Dennis and Heather. They work on that car together. They clean that car together. They tune it together, and he drives it. And uh, they pick up the World of Outlaws uh, National Championship this year. What a cool story that is uh, to see those two get that done. Something that's kind of lost in our sport today. You don't see a lot of small teams have success like that. Yeah, these are like the those are like the iconic stories that we live for, you know, like Alan Kowicki in 1992. It's um, it's one of those things that really, what makes this sport awesome is the fact that it doesn't matter if you have the most or you have the best or the top of the line or the most resources. Sometimes you just go out there and drive your guts out and that's enough. I think that's a cool story somebody locally around here that ran on equipment like that was Tristan Dupree. It was basically him showed up, unloaded his car and he went out there and he would flat out win every race. But to see somebody do that in modern times with all the competition and all the high dollar out there, I'm always rooting for the underdog. So that's a, that's a good feel good story. The only thing that I have on that guys is I've noticed the last few years uh, it's, and this isn't any take from Dennis and Heather because they do an unbelievable job. I don't know anybody that shows up on that tour um, with that personnel and does that. Um, that's impressive itself. But I think on the other hand, you, and we're seeing it in Champion Racing Association as well, you're not getting a lot of drivers following the full tour. So all, all Dennis has to do is show up every night and win some races throughout and not not stink every night and he's probably got a good shot at the championship because there's only a handful of guys that are at every single race you know what i mean and i wish that would change i you know cra it's they had to they only had a couple usually they have five in the chase this year and they only had three i think right zach or yeah, something? something like that they had so, to cut it way down because they weren't eligible because not enough guys ran the full championship and i and and that's the only thing that get that i'm disappointed about is it, it seems like we're getting away from that where when you have a tour coming from out of town, um, it's three guys that run all of it and the rest are scattered from wherever. 
That's a good point too, because we we are seeing that. You know, we even in the Great Lakes Super Sprints local tour that kind of runs, you know, right around here. They've got a really great following of about twelve guys. Um, but you got to run eighty percent of the shows to be eligible for points money. And toward the end of the season, you know that that twelve to fifteen that we see on a regular basis uh, that are at every show came down to about eight to twelve. You know, started to fall off toward the end. Um, I think, and we've talked about this with our late model guys. A lot of guys now are cherry picking, if you will, and I mean that in in terms of cherry picking the big shows where they're writing their calendars out not to follow a championship but to go and run big shows at different tracks across the state or across the region to try to make some big money rather than race for a championship. Has the glory of a championship gone to the wayside? I mean, do people not care about championships anymore as much as they do about race wins? I, I don't know the answer. It just became too expensive to run for a championship for a lot of these guys. I mean, if you can, if you can run a fraction of the races and make a decent return on your investment, why run the smaller events and – you know, make it harder to break even. Well, not well, that happened on the Hell Tour, didn't it? When Pierce didn't didn't come to Michigan, everybody was a little disappointed. Yeah, you're right that yep. he didn't that he didn't show up. But I mean, he won enough races that he didn't have to make those shows. And I don't and I don't. We got to get to some dirt stuff too. But um, but now I guess you could say enter the ASA Stars National Tour. A one hundred thousand dollar point fund, twenty five thousand dollars to win it. Um, I think they're trying to change that. Well, and every and, race in that tour as well is is at least a five figure race to win. You know, which ten thousand minimum. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you can look at that too. The top the top line is is a big number, and I, I think that's what you got to do. You got to do these tours right to to get people to run whole championships. World of Outlaws, that idea that you run a full, grueling schedule. Sprint cars still is pretty good. The World of Outlaws sprint car attendance is still pretty good. Late models is starting to fall off. Lucas Oil is changing their points thing. Nobody knows what's going to happen in 2023 now that they've introduced kind of a a chase format. Um, But, you know, the idea of being an outlaw and running a grueling schedule and seeing where you fall at the end, you know, like you said, Chris, Guys don't want to do that anymore. They don't want to spend that kind of money. They want to go and make some money and, and try to get a little return on investment. And uh, like you you know, you alluded to, Rich, I think the way to get successful championship battles now is not to have 40, 35, 25 race schedules. It's probably a 10 to 15 schedule max and uh, put big money on the top of the line. All right, a couple of other things. Uh, obviously, um, some sad moments took place in 2022 and and. You know, Rich, I think the one that cuts closest to all of us, of course, was the one that took place not all that long ago, uh, speaking of the world of outlaws, and that was uh, the passing of, of a friend of many of ours, and that was Rick Eshelman. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I mean, I think just because it was totally unexpected, you know, Zach, we spent time um, at Butler <clears throat> Speedway with Rick when he came to the Hell Tour this summer, and, and um, you know, you never would have <clears throat> known talking to Rick that night that the uh, that he had a care in the world, Manny. It, it was a, it was a great time. I went up to Tri City uh, the next night and hung out with him up there when they went up for that. But uh, yeah, I mean, Rick was uh, beloved nationally. I mean, yeah, he's one of ours uh, from right here in Michigan. Um, you know, started his announcing career at Flat Rock and moved on. But um, yeah, that was uh, I think that was surprising for everybody, and and, and obviously nobody, you know, and Gary can can probably talk more about this because he worked with rick and but i don't think anybody saw that coming right gary no not at all uh i was totally shocked uh 
Um, I saw, and yes, and uh, Rick and I at uh, one time we were announcing partners at Toledo Speedway for a while, but uh, everybody knew uh, uh, Rick wanted to. I, I always felt that he wanted to go and do something else because he didn't have a lot of ties. I guess I don't know for sure, but um, he was uh, he was a character. He was one of those guys that I'd be down, you know, starting a racing program at Toledo, and he'd be up in the booth. And he'd he'd start dogging me right away, you know. Like the one time I think it was school bus race, and he called me Jungle Larry because I lost my job as a jungle operator at Cedar Point. That's the kind of stuff that Rick did. However, the next time I came to the track with a school bus race, I had khaki shorts, deck shoes, Hawaiian shirt, and a Panama Jack hat. And I said, Rick, game on. He just gave me that wicked smile. He goes, game on. Oh, man. So, but he was a character. He was. He was a character. And uh, he did his homework, you know, like you guys do. Uh, Rich does. I mean, you know, all, all of us, you know, we try to do our homework and everything. And, and he was very knowledgeable. I mean, between the two of us, we, there wasn't a whole lot. We missed it, Toledo. Well, uh, I do want to say, uh, as you know, condolences again to that. But I also want to say congratulations to uh, a guy that we've had a chance to talk to on the show. And Rich, you and I shook his hand and talked to him in the pits. Uh, the World of Outlaws World Racing Group uh, tabbed Ruben to fill the shoes of Rick Eshelman. And I think that Rick probably would have handpicked him to uh, to take over that spot anyhow. They worked together on a number of occasions and had a great relationship too. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, Ruben kind of. You know, I mean, Ruben's just out of college, so he, and everything he learned uh, when he hung around with the World of Outlaws was from Rick, right? Yeah. So, um, and Ruben is really good. He's just, I, I really like him. Um, he's a great personality. And and I, I think, I I assume that Ruben's going to take a little bit of Rick and everything he learned with him. And uh, I think Ruben's going to do a heck of a job. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about some Michigan regional stuff here. We've been kind of dabbling in it throughout, but uh, some headlines uh, from this summer. How about Taylor Ferns, folks, uh, the Shelby Township Michigan driver, first woman to record a podium finish in USAC Silver Crown history. She did it twice, uh, once in May at uh, Indianapolis Raceway Park, then did it again in July at Winchester Speedway. We've talked about Katie Hettinger. We've talked about some of these female drivers in our state. Um, Taylor Ferns is starting to grab a again right she's kind of circling back around to uh, grabbing some attention here uh, in the USAC ranks and um, I'm keeping an eye on on that social media of Taylor Ferns because she really is picking up steam yeah she's also running uh, select 500 sprint car events I do believe as well I think you're right yeah so uh, she's oh, she was good at Silver Crown I mean she was really fast at Toledo this year which we do have another Silver Crown race and uh August of Raleigh Beale Memorial, but uh, she was fast. But unfortunately, her and uh, I'm trying to remember who it was might have been Justin Grant. A couple of them got together, and she ended up uh, DNF. But uh, she was very fast at Toledo. It's fast kinda, everywhere she goes. It's kind of cool to see the ladies of our region uh, stepping up and and really uh, competing. You know, I, I think you know obviously we're we're not exactly. 
the best coin to talk about it, a room full of men here. But, you know, for our sport that is dominated by men, uh, these ladies are not having it anymore. They're stepping up. They're coming to the racetrack ready to whoop our tails. And they're doing it, right? We talked last week with Katie, and she said, I don't think of myself as a woman behind the wheel. I think of myself as one of the guys uh, who's ready to beat fenders and, uh, you know, do what it takes to win. And um, I think I just think it's awesome that these ladies are coming in here and kind of showing, showing, showing some of those men where it's at. And you know what I, I thought? I thought I'm sorry, Chris. I just wanted to say I thought it was pretty cool because I had mentioned last week um, who had driven for that Anthony Campy Racing team, and lo and behold, what happens this week? Uh, last week, her teammate is now going to be Casey Roderick on the Super Late Model side. Um, unbelievable! Casey Roderick won the Snowflake 100 in that Pro Car that she's going to be piloting all next year. So. Um, she is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anthony Campy, Anthony Campy Racing that money can buy. And uh, they, you know, Jerry Ruggiero did rate great in that car all of 2022, uh, won a lot of pro races. So uh, I, I think she's going to be fine. What about, what do you think, Chris? Uh, well, I was touching back on the, uh, the Taylor Ferns deal is uh, what a great role model she is too for, uh, you know, the women that want to get involved in motorsports. She came in and wasn't she like one of the youngest uh, female champions ever in, uh, you know, open wheel racing. Right. She leaves, goes to school, goes to college, comes back and is just as strong in what she did. I mean, that's definitely somebody that, you know, any of us can look up to. But, you know, I think like the young women in the grandstands can really latch on to a Taylor Ferns and and look at her as somebody they can really look up to. Well-rounded professional. She's uh, uh, an attorney at law, I believe, is what she went to school uh, for. She's so. going, still going to school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Still uh, going to school, but who sponsors her? Those are the attorneys she works for. That's right, yeah. And uh, Bernstein Law Firm, yep. Staying on the payment side of things here, uh, I can't believe, gentlemen, we're already pushing an hour. How about Eric Lee, uh, Flat Rock Speedway? Of course, uh, when we talk about Flat Rock and Toledo, Rich and Gary, we kind of default to you, but Eric Lee, a name synonymous with Flat Rock Speedway, years and years of success there, and it just continues for that driver over there on the east side of the state. Well, I tell you what, uh, Rich and I, we we seen him. The worst he finished was second. <laughs> wow. in every late model feature that he finished second, which is uh, absolutely amazing. And, and you know, both times, I mean, man, you know, I mean, he he lost twice in the big races to uh, Brian Burkaker, but you know that's no shame in that. Burkaker pretty much well owns the big races with a Joy Fair Memorial and a Stan Yee Memorial. But Eric had a phenomenal year, and. I, the competition was good at Flat Rock, and the racing was very respectful. And Eric said that at the banquet at the end of the year. Eric goes, do you know, I never had to change a corner panel wow. on my car all year. And that's a racing on a quarter mile. That's impressive. So sixth Outlaw Super Late Model title uh, for Eric Lee at Flat Rock. On to the dirt side of things, uh, another Eric that dominated in 2022, Eric Spangler, $34,000 payday at Merritt in the Wood Tick, on his way to the All-Star Performance Challenge Series Championship that went along with two track championships as well uh, for Eric Spangler. Um, this race, I want to talk about the Wood Tick, uh, you know, gentlemen, as, as fans of this. It drew some names. Of course, Devin Moran was was right there. Kind of thought that that was his race to lose. Uh, you see where Eric Spengler started deep in the field and worked his way through to uh, end up winning that race. Uh, Devin Moran, some other big names were there as well, Rich, that we've seen across 
uh, the region and across the country. But uh, the work that Mike Blackmere is doing to make this race, the Wood Tick, uh, a, a spot on everybody's calendar, right? So this was the 34th running of the Wood Tick. 35th running will be 2023, so we look for it to pay $35,000 was the idea with this All-Star Performance Challenge Series. Uh, this race at Merritt Speedway, what are your thoughts on how it all played out this year? Um, I, I could not believe, you know, we, we talked to Devin Moran and I could not believe that, um, they, they couldn't put that name, his name on that check before it all started, to be honest with you. He won, he won everything throughout the weekend up until that race and he let it, but Eric Spangler was just better than he was. Uh, there was no way around it. Eric Spangler had every chance in the last 15 laps to lose that race yeah. with all the with all the restarts they had. Yeah, you're right. And Devin Moran just couldn't stick with him. And and every restart, Eric Spangler would drive away. So it, it wasn't uh, as exciting as the 33rd annual when Rusty Rusty Schlenk pulled off the last corner pass to win by a foot. But it was ever but it, but it was dominating. I mean, you can't take that away from Eric. I don't. I think by the halfway point of the race, I think unless you were not watching what was going on, you knew who was going to win that race unless something happened. Yeah. Eric Spangler was the class of the field. Um, you know, Ryan Unzicker was there. He he had to take a provisional to get in the back, and he drove up to third. And Unzicker had nothing for him on the restarts at the end. So, um, you know, that was probably. I don't know if it was an exciting wood tick, but it was, it was surely impressive. But I, th I think if you're talking about Merritt Speedway, Tri-City, um, I think the news of this year just came out, and that was uh, Mike taking UMP away and now going to run IMCA Modifieds. And um, that leaves us two tracks in Michigan for UMP Modifieds, Hartford and Butler. That's it. Yeah, we kind of talked about that last week as well. And I, I, I don't know, uh, Chuck, you're, you, you know, you kind of follow these guys on a fan mode basis now, especially with you having a role at Bertrand Speedway. Um, Eric Spangler dominating. Of course, he's a future Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer. Nobody's going to, uh, you know, say no to that. Multiple track championships along with the All-Star Performance Challenge Series Championship. Sweet redemption at the Wood Tick to get that win over Devin Moran. Uh, but uh, do you have concerns? Do you care as a fan if it's IMC? or UMP Modifieds, or are you just happy that there's racing happening? I'm happy that there's racing happening. I think I think IMCA is regaining its foothold um, back in the state of Michigan. There was kind of that divide for a little bit with the UMP versus IMCA. Well, now with it going IMCA, it's hopefully going to blossom the car counts. Um because honestly, at some point as a fan, you got to think, are there too many series? Are there too many different classes of cars? I think Chris Foby has an opinion on that that can be found somewhere oh, on, the, on the Horsepower <laughs> Happenings website. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think as a fan, I'm happy that the racing is going on. But I think that UMP and its luster of being a little bit more recognizable uh, you know, like more high dollar uh, versus an IMCA has kind of gone by the wayside because a lot of guys, they can't afford to run, you know, bigger motors or open motors or anything like that. And they want something where they can go out, run, have fun and be competitive. 
Fair assessment, and uh, I kind of am, am on the same track as you. I think that Hartford and Butler will do fine. They're close enough to Indiana and Ohio where they run UMP Modifieds on a regular basis. Those two tracks are going to do just fine, and uh, everybody else north of I-94 uh, is going to be just fine as well because all the IMCA and B-Mod cars are up there anyhow, so uh, they'll be just fine. Keeping it on the dirt, Cody Bauer, uh, is he the most underrated dirt late model driver? in our state this year, picks up $10,000 to win with the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series, then goes to the Dome in St. Louis, draws the pin, makes that car as wide as a Freightliner, and goes to Victory Lane to pick up a win in St. Louis, draws the pin, or, you know, through that, gets to start pin uh, for the big show and is able to hold on to seventh in that race as well. Uh, So kind of the David versus Goliath story was Cody Bauer this year. Is he an underrated? Are we overlooking Cody Bauer in our state, or did he just, you know, kind of did the luck fall his way when he went to St. Louis? I don't think so. I think that Cody is a really talented race car driver. He's got Rusty Schlenk behind him with Domination Race Cars, and, of course, Rusty with a multi-time UMP championship, knows what he's doing with those race cars. Uh, I think Cody Bauer really is a wheel man that we got to keep our eye on. I think you have to keep an eye on Cody Bauer just because he does like he, he even told us, I've reduced my race schedule. So you don't know, you know, he's going to run the big challenge series races, but you're not going to see him on a weekly basis. And so he's not out there running 45 to 55 nights. That's not what Cody wants to do. But when he shows up, he's as good as anybody, Zach. I think he is too. I I've watched him numerous times at tri city and he can flat out fly and wheel that car around any surface. I think his win at the dome was well-deserved. I think the dome is kind of like the great equalizer because it brings in guys from all over that are running, you know, either dry slick or, you know, wide open. And then you come into this little bull ring where, you know, you're all on equal footing. Sometimes it's luck of the draw, but a lot of time it's, you know, how much skill and how much balance you can put into that car. And I think Cody is one of the better ones at that. And I got to, Zach, I got to, I want to bring something else up while we're on the subject of is somebody worthy of national knowledge. And I want to get Gary and Chris's uh, opinion on this. Tyler Rory gets a full-time USAC silver crown ride. Um, he's won about every, we're, we're asking, oh, where's your super late model when he's won about everything there is to win. Um, and I think in his very first silver crown ride this year, he put it on the podium in his very first night that he ever, that he ever jumped in a silver crown car. So Gary, we'll start with you first. You've watched a, a lot of Tyler Roerig. Uh, how's he going to, is he going to have success at, at the USAC silver crown level? Well, um, I, I know, I know he will, you know, cause first of all, that's a good team and, uh, you know, it's a brand new race car, I believe. And, you know, I mean, Tyler's, uh, he is your thinking man's racer. I mean, he's very, very good and, uh, very, very fast. And I, I, I believe Tyler's going to be just fine. Although, you know, he's going to have to be right on the coattails of Cody Swanson <laughs> and, uh, those guys, because those guys are really, really good. And it's nice that we get to see the silver crown cars once a year. But I think, man, that is a welcome addition to the Silver Crown Series to have Tyler Roerig in there. And I think he'll be just fine. I think we'll see him on the podium and uh, maybe first on the podium uh, this season coming up. 
Well, we asked him that last week, too. We said, how do you manage expectations? And he goes, it's easy. We expect to do very well uh, when we go USAC <laughs> Silver Crown Racing. Uh, Chris, what do you, you know, you're, again, you're somebody who's seen him race, followed his career a little bit. Uh, what, what do you think uh, making this jump up to National Series Racing for Tyler Roerig? Well, you know, uh, a buddy and I actually were out at dinner the other night talking about this uh, very same subject. It's so rare that you find somebody that can hop out of an Outlaw Super into a sprint car and be good and vice versa. Yeah. And the fact that he goes back and forth and is so good in both removes the doubt in my mind. I mean, the guy very clearly can drive anything with four wheels, and I haven't seen him on three yet, but hopefully hopefully he could do okay there too. But, I mean, the guy is just flat-out good at what he does, and I think, you know, you look at those drivers that just have that inherent ability, can hop in anything and go, and at this point – you got to think he's one of them. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I look for Tyler to pick up, like Gary said, if not one, maybe multiple wins in the USAC Silver Crown. I also agree with Gary. He's going to have to become good friends or maybe good rivals with, uh, with Cody Swanson to get the job done. Um, but, uh, you know, the, we talked about it last week, Rookie of the Year honors. I think probably you can write the T and the, you know, the, the Y and the L on that check, maybe just stop there for a second, but you can at least start writing his name in Rookie of the Year honors. And uh, I think, too, he's probably going to be a contender to be in the top five in points when it's all said and done as well. I, I, I Just talking to him last week, his level of confidence, his level of confidence anytime he gets behind the wheel of a race car. Again, I mean, we're talking about a multi-time little 500 champion here. Um, you know, that I think Tyler Roerig is going to do great things in the USAC Silver Crown. Chuck, do you have a thought? I... I think he's one of the best around, like Chris said. If you can jump out of a sprint car into a super late model and then vice versa, I mean, that takes a whole different skill set to go from the, you know, the power to weight ratio of one to the other. And it also develops your skill set going, you know, with that much horse. But you, you get better throttle input. You know when to brake. You know, you're not hard on the equipment. And he's proven time and time again that he's fast no matter what. So I have no doubts that he'll probably win Rookie of the Year as well as possibly get one or two wins, if not more, just because he is that good. A couple other things real quick uh, that we want to make sure we mention. Uh, of course, Evan Schottko, uh, Super Late Model winner at Berlin, Battle at Berlin race winner, so Super Late Model title at Berlin, Battle at Berlin race winner, and Donamar Coulier, another Summer Nationals Hell Tour win at Tri-City, probably start putting his name on that check for next year as well because now he's snapped that winless streak for Michigan drivers on the Hell Tour, and he's done it at Tri-City, so that's obviously going to be the place where he gets that done. Uh, so nice job to Evan Schottko. Gentlemen, any closing thoughts on the 2022 season or anything you'd like to look ahead to for 2023? I, I know a couple of you with new positions, a couple of you returning for some hallmark seasons, and uh, really all of us, I think, looking forward to some great racing in 2023. Uh, Chris, I guess we'll start with you for any closing thoughts. Well, I got to say, I am absolutely excited for 2023. Um, first off, I definitely have to give a shout out to Sean Sprague, who's taken over for me at Springport this year. Um, if I could have handpicked somebody to take over that job, which it, you know obviously has very deep uh, personal meaning to me, it would it, Sean would have been number one on my list. Um, so I'm I'm really thankful for him and the Springport crew. I um, also just amazingly excited to be back at Owasso next year. 
I mean, it's it's where I announced my first race when I was 12 years old, and and to be at the ground floor, what they have going on there this year is just amazing. I'm I'm so excited to be a part of it. And uh, all I can say is stay tuned because there's a lot of cool stuff coming. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Leave the leave the little carrot hanging right in front of us as we get ready to go. Uh, Gary Lindahl, my man, the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer. Uh, rumor has it you're going to return behind the microphone in 2023. Uh, that is true. You know, uh, God willing, uh, I am going to, and it'll be my, I believe, 38th year at Flat Rock. Wow. And uh, I'm looking forward to the the schedule at Toledo and Flat Rock. You know, uh, it, it's very diverse. I mean, we've got a lot of different stuff going on. The Modifieds return to Flat Rock with the Joy Fair Memorial, which I'm looking forward to that show. And the 500 Sprint Tour is coming back to Toledo, the uh, wingless sprints, with the Modifieds. You know, so there's some shows there. Plus, we've got an East Race, uh, Arkham Menards East Race, coming to Flat Rock, plus some different stuff, and I don't know if they're done yet on that schedule, but I'm really looking forward to that. And as always, look forward to working with Rich, of course. <laughs> I don't know if Zach, I'm... Zach, is, Zach isn't though so thrilled, Gary. He gets to see me once a week. Uh, listen, I don't know. If, I just can't figure it out if that was tongue in cheek or not. I don't know if you know if that might be the Bud Light talking or not. I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll... no, you know, I haven't had any Bud Light tonight, so no, that's uh, that's genuine. Well, I'm running out of Smoky Mountain moonshine, so we, the show's got to be we, in and pretty soon. Chuck Darling, okay. uh, Chuck Darling, uh, Bertrand Speedway and Event Center, uh, of course. Uh, you know, I think there were a lot of people who were concerned about what would happen in 2023, but I think, as you mentioned earlier in the show, that place is set up. Uh, you got a great management staff there, ready to uh, uh, continue the success that has been built over the last couple of years and uh, continue to put on a great product. Yeah, definitely. Looking uh, forward to being back behind the microphone for my second full year alongside my partner in crime, Big Ed Inlows. Um, you know, the schedule is really diverse. we got a lot of cool events coming in. We've got the We didn't US get a chance to Nationals. talk to you about uh, the modified race uh, either. We didn't get a chance to talk to you about that. I, I, I don't want to poo-poo on Chris and the hot shoe, but, you know, we've got the downright awesome modified race in July that's going to pay $21,000 to the winner. Yeah. And I know David McManus, uh, you know, doubled down with championships this past year, as well as winning the uh, downright, uh, the inaugural downright awesome modified race. Uh, he's going to be back to defend. There's going to be lots of guys coming for that one. We've got the reveal the hammer series coming back. We've got the triple crown series for the Jag CRA all-stars tour. Um, the U S speed nationals moved from Kalamazoo to Bertrand speedway on Memorial day weekend. Uh, two-night show. That's going to be a good show. Um, also looks like we're going to have an invite towards the end of the year, so that'll be interesting, as well as our Eva Destruction shows. So just looking forward to seeing what uh, 2023 brings at Bertrand Speedway and Event Center. My co-host, Rich France, you and I uh, are have been in multiple meetings wondering what is going to happen for us in 2023. Uh, I know that for you, one thing is for sure, you're going to get a chance to go back behind the microphone alongside Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer Gary Lindahl, which is always exciting. Yeah, and I, I know I'm going to be there. I just don't know how many nights I'm going to be there. <laughs> Gary doesn't want to. Of course, he loves seeing me every night, right, Gary? Um, oh, Absolutely. But, yeah, but that uh, mean I don't have to run up and down the stairs as much then. Yeah, <laughs> see, that's why that's why Gary likes me because he gets he gets a young 59, 60 year old man to run up down the stairs. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Instead of his, but uh, yeah, no, we'll have to wait and see. We don't know, um, 
you know, to be honest, we don't know what's going with the ASA National Tour Champion Racing Association, maybe uh, Great Lakes Super Sprint. So there's a lot up in the air still. We'll find out over the next couple of months. I'm sure uh, everything's just kind of coming together. We're getting these schedules out. That's pretty cool. We're getting them out before the before the new year. But but some things are taking a little longer longer than others and. We'll just have to wait and see, Zach. Yeah, and uh, mentioning those two organizations, we didn't really hardly talk at all about the Great Lakes Super Sprints, even though they had a great points battle uh, that came down to the wire. Danny Sams led the points through the first half of the season, wrecked hard at Fremont Speedway, then could never get that car back underneath of him. Max Stambaugh uh, with that Smith Motorsports team ends up taking the championship over Dustin Daggett, Danny Sams third. Phil Gressman and, and Greg Dahlman round out the top five in points there. want to say a huge congratulations to my buddy Keith Shefford Jr., who won the Great Lakes traditional sprints championship we'll honor those guys uh coming up here in a couple of weeks with a points or with a uh, banquet in in jackson which will be the night after rich you'll be in attendance at the champion racing association banquet where eddie van meter and dakota stroop will be awarded for their championships in the arca cra super series and jeg cra all-stars tour respectively yeah i'm gonna head down there uh what two a week from this friday uh in plymouth indiana so that we'll, we'll be at the Champion Racing Association banquet and, and kind of hang out there. I get to sit, hang out with the guy that pays the bills, Scott yeah. Menlin, for a <laughs> night. Uh, so that'll be cool and and get to see, uh, you know, Glenn Luckett and, and Greg and the whole gang down there yeah. for Champion Racing Association that, we, that uh, we, we work with so well all summer long. Well, I got to tell you what, guys, it's been a lot of fun to recap the season. Uh, obviously, we don't get a chance to work uh, with each other as much as we'd like to because we're all so busy uh, with our own independent racetracks. But it's always fun to get a chance to kind of shoot the wind with one another on what's going on in our racing industry so uh also want to say thanks uh, to uh you know a couple of our other contributors who couldn't be here of course brian osborne is kind of a part of our team uh as is uh, is derek who i actually saw uh, earlier today he's uh, always got knowledge of what's going on uh so i want to say thanks to all you guys for all you do for us throughout the season and so on behalf of chris uh chuck of course gary my partner rich france and scott menlin who pays the bills i'm zach heiser thank you all so much for tuning in merry christmas happy new year and we're looking forward to kicking off 2023 coming up next week same time same place it's horsepower happenings you've been listening to horsepower happenings catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com and be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening